broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, taking the pulse of educators from all over the globe and bringing what you need every week. When you need answers, you go to the experts. Created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. The Ignite EdTech Podcast will continue to drop a new episode every week and will bring you news, tips, solutions, ways of learning, and interviews with the best of the best in the education and EdTech industry. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. And if you haven't subscribed to his Make a Difference podcast yet, I highly encourage you to do so in your podcast channel of choice. Last week, I encouraged you to think about where you go to learn and why. Thank you for sharing as always. Check out the social streams for more. This week, I want to ask you about how you learn. Last week, we talked about where you go when learning, and now I want you to think about how. While Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, a crucial next step is identifying how you learn and how you make change. When it comes to implementing new learning or approaching new learning opportunities, strategy is important, and knowing how to be successful in following a process is key. Please share with me via our Ignite EdTech social streams how you learn best and how strategy development helps you be successful in your EdTech journeys. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is TinyTap. TinyTap is an online learning resource for young learners with a specific focus on two to eight-year-olds. This came to my mind during COVID lockdown as schools were starting to support learners, but many parents and preschools struggled to support and help young people with their learning. I have questions about the need for two to five-year-olds to be connected online, but the resources that are available in TinyTap are simple, easy to use, and encourage both active learning and communication. TinyTap provides a strategic curriculum and step-by-step learning programs for little learners that covers everything they need to know, from writing to drawing to counting, TinyTap has it all. If you have young kids of your own or know teachers who work with little learners, this is a great tool for them. I highly recommend you take a look at tinytap.it. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about saying yes and connecting with opportunities. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. I also wanted to share a couple of yes stories that were shared with me from you via the Ignite EdTech social streams. The first one comes from Anonymous in Australia, who shared the following. Thank you for bringing this conversation up, Craig. Saying yes has been a huge issue for me since I was a new career teacher. Whenever I was asked to do something, I would say yes, so I could be seen to be doing things to learn and grow. Unfortunately, saying yes burned me out, and now I've left teaching. I wish I had the opportunity in my early career days to learn the power of the word to help me in my decision-making process. I've learned to say yes to opportunities that excite me and I see value in and learn the power of saying no when I know I cannot give 100%. Thank you for allowing this avenue of sharing. The second thing came from Chris in Thailand who said, Hi Craig, I'm a no guy, so this resonated well with me. 
I've always said no to opportunities because I'm busy as a teacher and I'm always concerned about taking risks, especially being in a private international school. I'm quickly learning that I need to be better at saying yes when more opportunities arise because I've missed out on connecting with companies, people and jobs. I've recently said yes to working with an edtech company that I love and it's been the best decision I've ever made. I have a voice, opportunities and extra visibility in the edtech space. The opportunities that have come from this, as you suggested, have helped me to see possibilities beyond the classroom as a next career progression. Thank you so much for sharing. Your words are inspiring. This week, I wanted to focus on following through on promises and implementing strategy. Over the past month, schools learned a lot about their digital growth and strategy and the importance of tech and where it sits within the learning process for all key stakeholders. Unfortunately, as I've covered before, Schools haven't followed through well on developing a strategy, creating a why, and then implementing the strategy to be successful. We're now in a position where we have to start actioning our strategies and identifying how we can be successful with the way we use technology in our schools. If you've developed a strategy but haven't found a place to start, don't worry, you're not alone. Unfortunately, it almost always comes back to time. So the first step, especially if you're a leader, is craft time to make this a priority. Because if you don't do this now, it will never be a priority. Whether it's releasing teachers or bringing in external consultants to support, you need to prioritize the implementation of a digital strategy now. Key areas to focus on are systems and centralizing where and how learning is accessed, looking at a device management system based on who needs access, what devices they have access to, and where learning happens. The third priority in implementation in my mind is all about people. Do you have the right people in your school building to drive this successfully? And have you given them time to be successful? And finally, have you thought about professional learning and development for your team in order to build capacity and drive the change that you need? If you need help, advice, or tips with digital strategy, please ask. And don't hesitate to listen back to previous episodes of this podcast where I've talked about the different aspects of strategy for you to be successful. Please continue to share your ideas so we can discuss them on next week's show. I'd love to hear from you. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Trevor McKenzie. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Trevor McKenzie. You might know him from Twitter as at Trev underscore McKenzie with over 18,000 followers. Trevor is an educator in Canada and is the author of the books Dive Into Inquiry and Inquiry Mindset. He's an inspirational leader in his field and is a pleasure to follow online where he shares ideas and resources regularly. Trevor, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Absolutely, Craig. Thanks so much for hosting me. And uh, wow, you're so kind with your introduction. We need, we need to do this more often. You're so good for my ego. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? 
Thank you, Craig. Well, I, I suppose I wear two hats and, and one hat is uh, I teach students. I'm, I'm a high school English teacher here in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, uh, and I, I'm a believer in constructivism. I teach from an inquiry stance. And so I suppose that means I, I hold a, a particular values of which I teach by. Um, and this passion for inquiry has taken me on another journey, and that's another hat I wear, which is uh, I teach teachers as well. So I support schools around the world, uh, supporting them in implementing inquiry-based learning practices. Um, and as we all experience in March, a significant pivot and shift in how we do the work we do. Now I'm doing a lot more work supporting these schools and teachers around the world through the virtual landscape and, and in that implementation side of inquiry-based learning. So I, I think one feeds the other, Craig, if I'm honest. You know, my passion for working with students and what I do with kids in the classroom definitely feeds into my research around inquiry-based learning, which then circles into my work with teachers and, and schools around the world, uh, which then in turn impacts my students. And so I feel like I've got a good balance on these things, but um, also feel incredibly blessed and honored that I could do, uh, you know, look at inquiry through these three spheres of teaching students, research, and teaching teachers, if you will. It's a great place to be in, Trevor, and, and I think you've done a fantastic job of sharing that knowledge, not just within your communities, but globally as well. What's your best advice for educators within the theme of you know, educational technology in an inquiry-based classroom? Well, you know, it, for me in inquiry, uh, you know, uh, an underpinning of my approach to inquiry-based learning is, is scaffolding and really coaching and modeling, not just the understandings, but also the skills of student agency uh, so that students can take on more of the heavy lifting of learning. And so through the lens of educational technology, that underpinning of coaching and modeling rings true. You know, uh, I introduce my students to a variety of platforms, devices, uh, apps, tools that I feel will support them in taking on more agency over learning. And when they begin to experience that agency and, and taking on more of that heavy lifting of learning, they almost have an educational technology toolkit, if you will, that they could dip into and say, oh, I remember this piece that, you know, Mr. McKenzie coached or modeled or introduced me to, or, you know, if I want to share my understanding, I, I know I have this tool in my toolkit, so to speak, when it comes to educational technology. So um, it's definitely not a one size fits all for in my practice, nor is it for my students. Uh, I look at it as being almost setting the table for them in terms of what they could, uh, you know, take with them and implement and trying to have them see these as tools for different jobs and different uh, tasks. So definitely that the scaffolding, I think, goes hand in hand for me and, and the coaching and modeling so that students can begin to take on more ownership over their learning through the lens of educational technology. And when it comes to the use of these tools in your classroom or in your day-to-day -day work supporting educators all over the world, what's an edtech tool that you currently love using? Well, I've got a few, Craig, you know, I'm not a one device or one platform or one app kind of person. You know, I, I definitely have, a, you know, I guess you could say an arsenal uh, at my fingertips. Um, you know, in one part, I love using Google Classroom as that virtual space where we can come together and almost as that virtual whiteboard where I can post things and pin things that students can connect with. We are teaching in a hybrid model here, so I see some students face to face. And then I see them remotely as well. So I'm also a big fan of Zoom. I've, I've been Zooming for the last eight months and really enjoy breakout rooms and connecting with students when they can't be there face-to-face -face via Zoom, but also that asynchronous offering. Uh, and for me, a lot of that asynchronous connection is via Flipgrid. I'm a huge Flipgrid fan. You know, I, I just find it so equitable. Um, you know, the access points that students 
can kind of gain through through using Flipgrid both to me but also to each other and then to others experts in you know the field of which we are learning whether it's uh, an expert uh, you know researcher or academic or maybe it's someone really well known or famous we find ourselves using Flipgrid to, to connect with other people so and, and also what you know that asynchronous piece is just so important you know synchronous doesn't work for all learners at all times and so I'm, I'm finding that I need a few different options to really leverage uh, this hybrid learning experience that I'm in and that my students are in so I find a little bit of Google Classroom a little bit of zooming and a whole lot of Flipgrid in, in between really helps us all learning is important to all of us Trevor what's one book or resource that you've been reading lately or just one of your all-time favorites and tell us a little bit about why we should be exploring it well that's a great question I'm a huge uh, Ron Richard fan and and his most recent publication uh, the power of making thinking visible um, you know I, I bought that book early in the pandemic and read it right away. You know, his body of work has been incredibly um, inspiring and informative for me. You know, his work around thinking routines and embedding talk to really get to the heart of student understanding and to get them to take on more of the heavy lifting of learning uh, in the classroom has really shaped my practice. And, and I think that it's the thinking routines that I was, you know, nurturing in the brick and mortar setting uh, those routines, when kind of leaned into in the virtual landscape, allowed students that common experience. You know, despite the modality, they had these thinking routines down pat that they could rely on and that I could rely on when it came time to, for us to collaborate and communicate. So, you know, definitely Ron Richard's most recent book, The Power of Making Thinking Visible, uh, and his whole body of work for that matter. But this recent publication really came to the heart for me uh, during this remote learning landscape. And you're an author yourself, Trevor. Tell us a little bit about your books and what inspired you to write them. Yeah, another great question. You know, I, I never set out to write a book, Craig. I was actually speaking at a conference here locally and there was a publisher in the audience and she was listening to me speak. And uh, after the, the session, you know, it was a, kind of a packed house, if you will. Um, and after the session, she asked me to have coffee and she said, you know, I'd love for you to write a book with us. And I, I honestly thought she was crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have a book in me. And if it wasn't for her perseverance and her support, I, I don't think I would have written one book, let alone two, let alone more in, in my future for sure. So um, and, and the books are framed around the, the, the classroom experience in Inquiry. You know, Inquiry, it, it's a it's a it's a great school of thinking. It's nothing new. It's been around for decades and generations. And my books really are centered on the experience with my students. So I, I talk about how to kick off a year in Inquiry, how to partner with students, what the questions are I ask students to have them begin to take on more ownership over learning. Uh, and really, I speak from the experience in the classroom. It's, it's one thing to look at Inquiry from a theoretical perspective, but my voice is really the implementational side and what it looks like day in and day out. So Dive Into Inquiry was my first publication. Uh, sincerely, it was written for all educators. Um, but in the years after Dive, <clears throat> excuse me, went to print, I quickly realized that a second book focusing on inquiry at the elementary school setting was needed. And so I co-wrote that book with a fantastic kindergarten teacher where we take the frameworks and, and structures that I, uh, I employ in the middle school, high school level and put them in the elementary school lens. Um, and so those are the, the kind of impetus or the reason behind both books and also uh, what you can expect if you, if you get one of those books and you open them up very much the implementational side of the experience of inquiry. 
That's amazing, Trevor. And we'll make sure that all the links to these are in the podcast notes below. I know that the listeners have got so much from our brief chat today. What's the best way for them to follow and connect with you? Thank you. Uh, yeah, my website, trevormckenzie.com. I'm very active in sharing resources, articles, uh, videos, podcasts there. Uh, Twitter, as you mentioned in the introduction, definitely at Trev underscore McKenzie. And then Instagram at TNT McKenzie, quite active there. And, and what you'll find in these spaces is, is a vibrant community that these teachers that I connect with around the world, uh, we're all talking and retweeting and sharing ideas. And so you're definitely not just finding me at these, uh, these spaces, you're finding this community, you referenced that 18,000 uh, member community at Twitter. And, and, you know, if you have a question, and uh, you tweet it at me, that's, that's the secret message that you want me to retweet that question to that community. So um, by all means, find me uh, on those social media platforms and find that really robust and, and vibrant community there as well. Trevor, thank you so much for your time today. It's been inspirational. Thank you, Craig, for hosting me. Greatly appreciate it. Next week, join me for episode 41 of the Ignite EdTech podcast, when I'm joined by the amazing Sarah Thomas. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully subscribing to the Ignite EdTech podcast. Last week, I gave away a seat for the Ignite EdTech learning courses at learning.igniteedtech.com. To win, you needed to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and it is Karen Ray. Congratulations, Karen. This week, I'm giving away two copies of Trevor McKenzie's book, to win these incredible prizes, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form. It takes less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 17th of March and winners will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. Thank you for being an extremely important part of the Ignite EdTech podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, smash that subscribe button and share it with your colleagues, friends and families. Please remember to spend two minutes to rate the podcast so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite part of today's episode by tagging me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions so I can answer them in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.